Just like that, the second hour is here of the Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. It includes our YouTube channel right now where you can join Chad in the chat. It's been busy. Chad's, Chad's re- been fun. Refusing to, uh, to talk down to the chatters. Yeah, I made a decision. You know, I'm going to be in a better mood today in the chat. feel like I've, I've come decision. in less than happy the last couple of days into the chat. Really? And you enter into the chat with the wrong mindset can lead to bad things. And uh, I'm in a better mood with there everyone in the chat today. Michael McHenry will join us uh, coming up in 20 minutes. We'll talk the latest MLB headlines with him, which includes those who have found new landing spots and those who haven't. And teams that are playing chess instead of checkers. That's straight ahead with Michael McHenry, our MLB analyst. Um, so, Chad, the, the theory was the price just went up yeah. on Tommy DeVito, right? Well, then they raised the price. On, Double, doubled the price from 10 k to 20 k With uh, Coniglio's, right? Is that Coniglio's the name Old Fashioned Pizzeria. Yeah. To make an appearance, it went from 10000 to after the Monday Night Football win, suddenly 20000 for an appearance that was already on the books. Then there was a back and forth on who agreed to what. Screenshots were exchanged to Darren Ravel. Well, turns out um, Tommy DeVito, after Coniglio's old-fashioned announced that uh, he's not going to be here because they doubled the price. And, you know, we're also Italian. And like Italians, we don't like the fact when you go against your word. Well, DeVito showed up. He showed up. And made sodas and made the, the old-fashioned sodas, made uh, uh, pizzas with the uh, what looks to appear to be the general manager of the owner uh, to what was a, not a stacked house, let's put it that way, based on what I saw. I like the fact that DeVito showed up and made the appearance. He's doing that because, well, from a PR standpoint, it was great. But he also lost out on ten grand just for showing up for two hours and signing 250 autographs. Instead, he's getting the, uh, the luxury of having the video of him making pizzas and sodas and trying them, but he doesn't get anything out of it because, well, his agent, uh, Stiletto, doubled the price. He's since hired a different marketing manager, <laughs> and he has said that Stiletto will continue to manage his contract, but now he has a different marketing agent that will handle uh, the, the public relations aspect of things. So Sean Stellato was supposed to join Dockage today. I, I have no idea if that interview happened. Davey, if we can, no, it, did it did not happen. happen. So he must have bagged out of that. Uh, I'm reading the story at Outkick from Matt Regal about it, and I, I didn't see a reference to that interview. So I was hoping that Dan was going to have a chance to ask the agent about this. The screenshot of the Instagram DMs from Coniglio's was to Stellato, but it was to his agency. I feel like if you look at it, it's it's stilato enhanced something. So this may have been someone he was talking to that was more of the publicist uh, and not just the agent. And and we don't know that this was necessarily stilato on his account talking about the the rise in, in whether, price. Whether it is or it isn't, it, it that response represents the price and the amount. Of, of course, but the point I'm getting to here is... It says they're going to check with Tommy, I, not check with Stilato on, the, on yeah, the 30 minutes over. I need to know if the greatest love affair we've seen of agent and quarterback with Stilato and the fedora and everything at the, the game, if it's ending right now, if we're witnessing a breakup. Because I, I can't tell if Stilato 
tried to raise the price, then acted like he didn't to someone knowing that he did, or maybe, just maybe, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. I'd love to hear him in an interview answer to this. Maybe it is the, the publicist or someone that handles events for his agency that's responding on this account, trying to raise the price, and Stilato really didn't know about it oh, until I- after the fact. And then Stilato's the one who told DeVito to go from a PR standpoint, say, you need to go do this, or Hutton. The other thing is Stilato just tried to screw over this local pizzeria, family-owned pizzeria, after agreeing to a price and then saying the price went up. And DeVito hated it and hated the coverage of it and just went on his own and decided to make good on it. He did go on his own. That that was the report. But Stilato, the the agent, said in the quote to Darren Ravel, we didn't raise the price because nothing was ever agreed to. He, he didn't say they didn't raise the price after something was signed. He just said that there wasn't a contract signed. And, I mean, to me, the fact that, uh, that DeVito is going with a different marketing agent, uh, Max Lepselter, over Stilato, but the report from the New York Post is that Stilato will remain the contract agent in football-related matters, says, in fact, yes, uh, Stilato screwed this up, and we're seeing the breakup of the... The public relations... But why? this is where I'm confused. It's Stilato on this account replying, trying to up the price, or someone with whatever this account is, but he's firing the publicist or someone else that didn't do this. So Stilato I'm was also on his that. marketing agent. He's no longer his marketing agent. So he's fired the marketing side of Stilato. Yes, he's still the contract agent. Okay, that's, that's weird. Uh, very, very strange to me. Stilato also, if he's canceling over the fact that he's got some bad PR out there, that, that's case in point that he's not very good at that. Yeah, and I, I do wonder. I know the reports are he went on his own, and he's such a great guy and did all this on his own, and that may be true. I would like to know if Stilato or someone with his team said, hey, this would be a good idea. If, if you did this, it would really help everybody out and yourself and us, and he decided to do it then. Or if he just decided on his own, I hate this publicity, I want to go check these guys out and went on his own, which also may be the case. Well, the you know the ultimately, if you just take the the price tag that is the ten grand, think about what uh, think about what this uh, pizzeria gets out of this though. They oh, still yeah. they still Great. have this PR and they stood on their terms. Yeah, which is what they should have done. Well, just hearing the name of the place yesterday, I was wanting to fly oh, yeah. up to Jersey and, and the check big it pizza out. That yeah, we saw it's great advertising for them. I, I'm uh, next time I'm in the area. I will be going to Coniglio's Old Fashioned. Yes. No doubt about it. Oh, Consiglio, sorry. Yeah. Consiglio's Old Fashioned. Uh, so they, yeah, 10 grand to 20 grand, and now they still get the appearance and the, the PR behind. Check out this pizza, though, if you didn't uh, see it yesterday. That's amazing. Chad could do this in one sitting. Uh, if I was, you know, if I fasted you could before, do this. if I got a nice 24 hour fast in. How long would it take? And that you? was my first meal. Uh, that would take me a solid 30 minutes. <laughs> Wow, that's it? Yeah. I'm not taking a lot of time when I eat. I mean, if, are we having a conversation? Is this over like a long dinner? It might well, take me longer. But I just, to me, that's... If I'm just sitting down to eat and i got nothing else going on, it's 30 minutes maybe. That's a lot. If I've got no one to talk to. If we're having lively dinner conversation, it might take me an hour. But if it's just sit down, eat this pizza, eat, finish this pie, then I could do that's, that in uh, 30 minutes, no problem. That's the undertaking right there. That's, to me, I'm sick after half of that. I, I don't think I could eat the whole thing, like all the crust and all. But if you told me just to eat the meat cheese part of it and get down to the crust and leave the crust, I think I could pretty easily do that. Taylor Heineke. Not necessarily a great thing about me, but I, de- I could easily do that part. Uh, uh, Chad can eat. This would be the 
This would be the topper of things that I've seen him do, uh, feats at, at, at speed rackets. This would be my man versus food moment. It would. But it would. Uh, Taylor Heineke is the starter for the Atlanta Falcons for the remainder of the season. The Falcons making that official. And we see Desmond Ritter bench for the second time this year. And we see Arthur Blank in Atlanta Public Television, uh, Georgia Public Television, telling uh, one of the hosts there that, you know, this is more than just about playoffs or bust in terms of how they're going to evaluate Arthur Smith as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Blank is saying, it's more about, are, is this a good, good team? Are we seeing the team headed down the right path? And he's even admitted in this interview and said about Arthur Smith, even the coach who is extremely blunt and honest about his assessment of himself would say that hasn't happened every week. It is now about the final three games and the anti-version of what we've seen so far, which has been the collapse of the Falcons from playoff contention in a bad conference, or bad division, excuse me, to a collapse of to the not just losing to the Panthers, not even getting the football in the hands of your best players, where you have Algier getting more touches and more of the percentage of the offense than the players that you've invested in in the fourth pick and two eighth overall picks. Makes zero sense. It's more about what happens now, Chad, over a schedule where losses would signal the collapse. Colts, Bears, Saints to finish the season for Atlanta. And Arthur Blank is saying, we'll talk about it after the season, but he says that they're, they're behind Smith as the coach, but says we'll talk about it after the season. And the report last week about barring a complete collapse, we may be in the middle of witnessing that currently. I really think Arthur Blank wants an excuse to keep him around. I think yeah, he I wants agree. Arthur He's Smith to give patient. him a reason to keep him around. And that loss on Sunday is not a good reason no. to keep Arthur Smith around. So Arthur Blank now talking about this openly in interviews – Shows me that Arthur Smith needs to win one or two of these games. Certainly not lose the last three if he's going to have any chance of keeping his job. The biggest question to me about do you want Arthur Smith sticking around is do you want Arthur Smith leading the next quarterback for the Falcons organization? Because it's neither one of these guys. It's not Desmond Ritter and it's not Taylor Heineke. So they're going to enter an offseason where either they're going after someone in the draft that's going to be a young quarterback to develop they're going to try to trade for someone. They're going to try to sign someone in free agency. So you have to evaluate, is it Arthur Smith that we want leading the next version of this team led by a different quarterback? Because this hasn't worked out with the current setup. Is that what you want? You want to give him another chance and put a lot of it on the lack of good quarterback play and say it can be better with a different guy? And should he be the one developing and leading that guy? To me, that's the question you have to answer. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you want if you're the Falcons in, in that respect, but that's the biggest question to answer for me. I'm also like, so he's also passed on the quarterback, the quarterback drafts of the last two years where they've had high picks. And I can't blame him for that, honestly. He had the eighth pick last year. He took B. John Robinson after drafting Ritter the year before in the mid round. And Chad, they, that year, only Pickett was the number, a first round pick that, in that draft. This past year, you had three quarterbacks gone by pick four. They pick eighth. But in terms of who you want and who you didn't, 
want so far, it's CJ Stroud who went number two. So I, I say, why haven't they done more in free agency? Why haven't they done more in trying to trade around and get someone? Other than that, I don't. The, the only question is why didn't they go to Heineke sooner rather than later? Because they tried it once and it didn't work. They went back to Ritter, which was a both have been busts in that regard. Now it's on Heineke again with three games to play. Yeah, and look, if it's um, you know, if it's Jaden Daniels or JJ McCarthy, I'm trying to think of where they're going to be drafting, right? To see if that if that's the available quarterback that you have Middle and you want to go quarterback, are are you going to say Arthur Smith is the guy to lead this rookie quarterback? and to develop him as the next guy for the Falcons. I, right. I don't know. Sunday wasn't a good sign. Right now, it's it, it's just a toss-up on who's going to have a top 10 or a top 13, 14 pick because there's a lot of teams with the same record. But it really comes down to how these teams finish. Chargers, Jets, Titans, Giants, Packers, Raiders, Saints. They're all at six or seven wins. And right now, we're seeing the quarterback change to Heineke. The Titans are going back to Tannehill, and the Titans are five and nine. That's right. right. Yeah, yep. Uh, same. They have one less win than Atlanta currently. And if you look around at the other quarterback situations, the Jets have Rodgers, who is going to be activated, but he's not going to play. They're activating to the roster so he can practice the remainder of the season with said starters for next year. Uh, Devito at quarterback for the Giants. I mean, if you're trying to suck for a quarterback. Uh, committed to winning over these last three games really doesn't benefit you. Some teams are trying no. to win because the pressure's on to send a message that you can win and you have you have that group behind you. Now they Arthur still have a good Smith chance of winning the division that. too. It's not just you know win it's the win games. Mathematically it's, available. Yeah, yes. they they could win the division, so they they have to factor that in also in trying to win. But yeah, I mean if you're going quarterback, certainly doesn't serve you to win games right now. The Titans, the one team on that list that that we just went through that. I'm thinking, okay, that's not a bad thing if they're ahead of you if you want a quarterback because they're the one not drafting quarterback in this next draft, you would think. That's right. With Will Levis probably being the guy who's going to start starting you know, next year. So, tough spot. Atlanta's in a very precarious spot right now with Arthur Smith, with the lack of a good quarterback on the roster. They're kind of in no man's land. Yep. They're, they're, they're one foot in, one foot out of what they should be right now and where they should go. And, and it goes back to this. Regardless of quarterback... Get the football in the hands of your best players. Yes. Bijan Robinson, boom or bust, and it's not because of the lack of production. It's lack of touches, lack of planning within the game plan. It makes zero sense to me. Uh, C.J. Stroud, he's been in concussion protocol. He is still having issues dealing with sensitivity to light. So it is... Uh, uh, the symptoms continue as he tries to go through concussion protocol, which the player has to report each morning. If he's capable of coming into the facility, he reports his condition, his symptoms, every 24 hours, and then they go through the progression of said protocol. This means it's unlikely that we're going to see him coming up in week 16, and Case Keenum will likely get the nod again uh, with Davis Mills being the backup for Houston, who's squarely in the mix, not just for a playoff spot, but potentially uh, a, a spot to, to win the AFC South, given the fact that they're knotted with the same record as the Colts and Jacksonville. And you have Trevor Lawrence also dealing with concussion symptoms. Yeah, scary situation now for uh, the Texans with the still, you know, with CJ Stroud still having the sensitivity to light. 
I hope he's back because that was one of the better stories across the league, and he's easily the offensive rookie of the year before the injury. And the Texans need him if they're going to win the division. I thought Case Keenum was okay uh, against the Titans on Sunday, but that's it's not C.J. Stroud. You know, no. he was he was good enough to You're win right. an overtime against a bad Titans team, but not the guy who was leading that team to possibly winning the division before. That's right, and. and- He's good enough to not lose you the game. Yeah, he's a good backup in today's NFL. Yes, with a lot of bad backups. And many thought he was there. Just he's basically a coach on the roster. He wants to be a coach. He'll be the starter again in Week 16 for the Texans with playoffs on the line. Michael McHenry joins us next. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. The new and improved Outkick store is finally live. Stock up on golf polos, t-shirts, hats, and more. Shop.outkick.com. Shop.outkick.com. Michael McHenry joins us, our MLB analyst, former big leaguer. Merry Christmas to you, Fort. Merry Christmas. You like my uh, Santa Claus beard? They were complimenting me in the back said i need a little bit more it's, white it's, in it it's fuller it's it's thicker than, than before that's for sure you play in hibernation guys are you going to keep that's it or it uh, what's the plan i don't know i mean i'm just going to kind of let the wife decide because she usually okay. makes all the that's best fair. decisions and she's all that really matters <laughs> you have a yeah. remarkable lack of to, to our our staff's credit for pointing this out a remarkable lack of gray hairs uh, in that beard i feel like most well. every man <laughs> over 30 now has some gray hairs uh, in facial hair, and, and you've got none that I can tell. Well, I appreciate that. I got a little wisdom over here, but uh, I'm kind of blushing. Can you tell? Uh, just for men is really paying off is yeah. what, what we're saying. That, you just that's need right, a touch yeah. of gray. That's all. Yeah, that's just back. a touch of gray, yeah. Beard yeah. color. Hey, so yeah, but I, I heard people are into the salty look right now, so maybe maybe I need to get a little salt. Just saying. Not to each their own. Yeah. You know, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Just with a dark oh. hair beard, it's good. It's still good. Yeah, love it. Thank it you. It always tracks. All right, Fort, so uh, all <laughs> – Throughout the regular season for MLB, we were discussing a lot about Otani and uh, what the future would hold for him. Uh, Landy with the Dodgers, just ultimately, did you think there would be more? There would be more of a, a, a drama to this. There would it would be was this anticlimactic at the end of all of the speculation, all of the discussion that took place, and ultimately what happened? I, I, it was really no surprise. I and mean, we talked about it during the summer. I mean, I think the Dodgers completely set themselves up when it comes to the luxury tax. They got underneath it. They were making sure that they could sign this guy. I just did not expect what they did by deferring so much money. I mean, you're talking about over $650 million. They're going to be paying free, uh, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Otani up until 20, I think 45 or something like that. It's It's remarkable what they've done that they get these guys out of California so they don't have to deal with taxes. They're pulling the best talent behind the scenes also. They also made some huge moves when it comes to some people they put in the front office and Chris Archer and Nelson Cruz. I mean, they're doing an incredible job in almost every facet. They are playing chess. Most of the league is playing checkers right now. I know that it's allowed, and you're right. It is a chess move and a smart move by Mm -hmm. the Dodgers. If you can pull it off with the players, absolutely do it to better your roster and pay as much as you can without having to show it on the books right now. I get all that. Should it be allowed, though? If this is something you're looking at moving forward in a collective bargaining agreement or for competitive nature across the league, whatever it may be, is it something that should be allowed? Uh, I I think the Dodgers just outsmarted MLB, and I think it 
And when you look three years from now in the bargain agreement, I think Manfred's got his panties in a bunch right now. Thinking about what are we going to do about this? How are we going to make sure you this doesn't happen You think it'll prompt again? change then? You think this I is do. something that I, will change I, it? I do because what they're even doing behind the scenes, the way they're paying you know, front office staff and, and they're plucking the best talent across the board, not just on the field, off the field. I mean, they're doing an incredible job in almost every facet, understanding what they need to do to get certain talent there, whether it's on the field or off the field, it's remarkable. And MLB's got to do something about it because eventually they're going to realize they have an unfair advantage, not because of a threshold of money when it comes to field play. It's it's really just the all-around ability to grab talent from every aspect with really unlimited resources. It'd be tough to reach this, uh, tough to reach this bar, though, right? Like, uh, how many players right now can would, would would do this? It's also on the players' end where you got to be willing to not take the money now and wait for it. Not everybody's on that same level as Otani from an international standpoint. So while they may have not, not, they didn't break the rules by doing this, it's not like a lot of clubs would be able to get said player to do what Otani did. You're exactly right. I mean, Otani's an oddity when it comes to the way he plays on the field and his endorsement fields off, off the field. I mean, in baseball, you're not going to see a LeBron James type endorsement deal, even into the multi million dollars. Otani got that. I mean, he's got that with New Balance. He's got that with different companies where he can maybe push some money down the line, defer it, not have to pay an enormous amount of taxes. I mean, you're talking about $150, $200 million of taxes. If he's playing in California, what most people don't understand, most of that division, you're paying those high taxes. When you go to San Fran, you're paying double taxes in California, San Diego, double taxes. So, Getting that money and pushing it down the line is brilliant by him and his agent, but you're right. It's the human being in Otani who wants to win. He wants to bring talent over from Japan. Don't be surprised if they sign the number one uh, international free agent and his pitcher, the right-hander, over in Japan. Guy's disgusting. I can't say his name, so I'm not even going to try. I think it's Yamamoto or something. Mm-hmm, that's it. Um, oh, I nailed it. Yes. nailed it, yeah. But that is exactly right when it comes to it, Hut, is – this human being is willing to take money way down the line because he wants to win now and be somewhere where he can ultimately win the rest of his career. Speaking of talented human beings, Tyler Glass now is one of those, and the Dodgers also added him. Uh, a really an embarrassment of riches when you think about their offseason so far. What are the Dodgers in that rotation getting in Glass now? He is the best pitcher I've ever faced, um, period. Uh, I used to call him the superhuman. He releases the ball at the uh, almost the highest in, in baseball. He's six seven probably pushing 680, throws 99 to 101. He's got one of the best breaking balls in baseball, but he releases it closer than anybody in baseball. So when he releases the ball, that 99, because of uh, perceived velocity, it's almost four or five miles an hour harder. So he's actually throwing about 106. It's a different animal. He's a different cat. If he's healthy, he's the best pitcher in the league by far. Now, he he is a guy that can kind of get erratic and lose his feel and walk a couple guys, put himself in bad spots. He tipped for almost three years and still was getting out. The fact that they got him on a five-year deal, too, that's remarkable. If this guy stays healthy, he changed that rotation completely. The the Yankees needed a good headline after this Mm -hmm. past season. They needed something positive to happen in the offseason. And they got that with Juan Soto and and being able to trade for him. What did you make of the trade, and, and what does Soto bring to that Yankees lineup? I think he brings balance. I mean, you have a lot of swing and miss in that lineup. They needed somebody that was more predictable. And I think when you look at a Yankees team that has a lot of injury bug, 
and they have a lot of guys that have a really hard time putting the ball in play. Now they have somebody that's going to consistently get on base. He'll probably hit at the top of that lineup and set the tone. I think he's a tone setter any team he plays on because he's got a little bit of swag. And two, I think he doesn't have to think about hitting the ball out of the yard anymore. If he can focus on driving the ball the other way, that big left field really help him kind of gather some hits, and then he'll accidentally run into 30 at that ballpark, especially with that deep, deep lineup. But his value really comes with his youth and also his ability to get on base. I mean, he's one of the best in baseball when it comes to his swing decisions. Blake Snell, what what are is he waiting on Yamamoto to make a decision before deciding? And I know the Angels have been mentioned for a landing spot, but who else is in the in in the clubhouse for where we could see him land? I think he wants to pitch in Seattle. Period. I think he wanted to when this offseason came. I think when it ends, even if he signs in Anaheim, he wants to be in Seattle. If you saw the footage of him being uh, able to be on the scoreboard, swinging the towel, being with the 12th man in, in Seattle, that's where he's from. He lives there. He loves it. I, I'll never forget him constantly talking about how bad he missed Seattle when I played with him. So that's where he wants to be, whether they're willing to do it because they have a surplus of pitching and it's all young pitching. I think – the fact that he wants to be there, he'll probably take less money. But if not there, don't be surprised. Anaheim, San Francisco's in the mix. Even the New York Mets are in the mix. But it kind of pushed the Yankees away. But if this guy could pick, he's going to want to go to a place where he feels comfortable. Seattle being one of those. And I'm telling you, I have a feeling the Braves are in that in that realm. And I think that's a place he would really, really fit and flourish because of his personality. If he's willing to take less, Michael, wouldn't you try to do what Otani just did if you're Blake Snell? <laughs> And, and defer Absolutely. money instead of taking less? Absolutely. He's a little bit different when it comes to personality. He, he likes living his lifestyle a little bit differently. Okay. So okay. He, he may want to take that money up front. But even with that being said, if you see what Mookie Betts did with the Dodgers, he took about $60 million up front. And that kept them to where they had the ability where they didn't go too deep into that luxury tax. So there's a lot of creative ways. I'm surprised more teams don't do this. The Dodgers have been absolutely outstanding. The Nationals did it with Scherzer. There's a lot of teams that have deferred money, but putting a huge signing bonus up front is, a, is another option for Blake Snell in one of these cities. Well, what has the reset looked like for Steve Cohen with the Mets? Uh, bringing in the, the GM from the Brewers, mm -hmm. a, a new approach, been pretty quiet uh, this offseason so far. What, what do you think the thinking is now with that organization moving forward and what they have and what they could obviously pay for if they decide, as we've seen in the past. So anytime a new GM comes in, he has a plan. So whether it's a three-year plan or a five-year plan, that's usually the typical uh, landing mark when it comes to time. He's coming in with, hey, this is what we should do. This is how we should do it. This is why we should do it. They kind of reevaluate their talent and kind of see where they're at. They've made some really good moves this offseason, just kind of bolstering their major league lineup to allow these young guys that they got in the Scherzer trade and the – uh uh, Verlander trade to maybe have a chance to get to the big leagues and make an impact. They have a dynamic catcher who's maybe one of the best power rating catchers we've seen since the former Met and Mike Piazza. So they have a lot of good talent. I think Cohen got a chance to learn that money can't buy you a championship. You have to really build a team and a really good culture from the top down and the bottom up. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do because we know this guy wants to win. I mean, he threw millions and millions of dollars almost a half a billion dollars to try to win last year. So I think he's going to put all of his resource, all of his time and energy into understanding what it takes to be a good team and a good baseball team at that, because it's a different animal than NFL or NBA. Cody Bellinger wants $200 million in his next contract. Is he worth it? 
is he going to get it from someone? No, he's not worth it. I mean, it's such a high risk. I think he could get a lot of money up front. You know, maybe they, you know, front load that contract. But you think about a guy that just a year removed, two years removed from hitting just above the Mendoza line, he hit 167 and 21 or 22. I mean, you're talking, yeah, he did great uh, for his first couple of years and then he hit a wall. And whatever caused that, whether it was injuries, whether he wasn't healthy, it, it doesn't really matter. You just kind of look at it and say, can we lock this guy up for, you know, eight, nine, 10 years and pay him 200 plus million dollars and hope to get the same production he's done three out of the seven years? Not, not like he's done it six out of the seven. So yeah, it's a huge risk. I think you may see a front loaded contract or maybe, Hey, prove it again. We'll give you a, a hefty three years, like maybe Sonny Gray's contract, the 75 mil for three years, something like that makes more sense. And him going back to the Cubs where he's comfortable. If he's smart, I think that's what he should do. Well, also just going back to uh, Pittsburgh for Andrew McCutcheons, let's tie that mm-hmm. in. I mean, the idea that you get to uh, potentially just end your career uh, with uh, the, of course, the club, but also the fan base that uh, adores you. I mean, that's uh, it's a perfect setup, is it not? It's so good for baseball. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that has a chance to be top ten in almost every offensive category by his by the end of his career. I mean, yeah, you see the numbers right there. I mean, he's one home run shy of 300. There's so many cool things that the fans get to enjoy. And I mean, last year I'll never forget, 45,000 people showed up, standing room only, blacked out. The, the stands for Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, he's a great human being. He's one of my close friends. He wants to win, though. I mean, that's one thing he said. I'm not no – what how do you put it? I'm not a hood ornament coming here to just kind of show off and shine for the city. I'm here to win. I'm here to win now. Development's over. This process of trying to win is over. We're going to win now, and I loved it. I, I think that's perfectly said. It's what the city wants. That's what they prescribe every team to be. They, they call it the city of champions for a reason. He wants to bring that back. Michael McHenry, our guest, we, we mentioned earlier in the show that uh, there were, there was a, a team that you felt like was playing chess, not checkers. And you're going to make Chad Withrow very pleased with said team. <laughs> That's exactly right. There's a couple teams actually, but uh, the two that have really impressed me are the Dodgers and Atlanta Braves. I yes. mean, they've really blown yes. me away. And then two, uh, I mean, HUD, I got to give some love to Baltimore. Okay. That Kimbrell signing was absolutely phenomenal because he wants to win now he's going to be a great leader for that team and he fits the dynamic of the players they have and they're trying to sign those young guys like we talked about to long-term deals i know that for a fact they're really working hard on holiday and uh is it gunderson they're really really trying to get those guys under contract i heard that from some guys that are working on that right now so the Baltimore Orioles are going to be around for a while, and they're going to be really strong. What do you like about what the Braves are doing? Because they haven't grabbed a lot of headlines uh, this offseason with their moves, but when you talk about the playing chess and not checkers, what do you see that Alex Anthopoulos is trying to accomplish with this roster? They're getting players that maybe weren't available, and they're making them available by trading, You know, having a three-person trade. I mean, they just traded for Matt Carpenter. Everybody, I'm sure, was like, what's happening? And then he gets released. They traded for uh, Gonzalez, a pitcher, left-handed pitcher in Seattle. Didn't need him. He didn't fit the mold, but they really just wanted the outfielder, the young outfielder that was controllable. They're shoring up their roster. They're making dy- like dynamite trades under the radar. They're just doing a really good job of old baseball. I-, I don't think we see enough of that. Instead of bringing in a third team, they're doing it on their own and making sure that they're shoring up their roster. Even the depth of their team in AAA is, is getting stronger. So I really like what they're doing. They already have a great team. They're just shoring up some really, really, I guess, 
needs that they had, but maybe they weren't big because, I mean, they are the Atlanta Braves. They're one of the best offenses all of baseball, and they're getting better. Follow Michael McHenry on social at the Fort McHenry. Merry Christmas to you and the family, Michael. Always enjoy these visits. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, guys. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas, Michael buddy. Michael McHenry, one of the best there. Coming Maybe up, the best. Yeah, not some, not some great uh, coaching situations around the NFL. Black Monday is upon us soon. Sixth and Peabody Air location. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunter with rolls on across the Outkick Network. Which, uh, as a reminder, starting January 3rd, the only place to catch Outkick's original and fearless shows live. It's going to be on the website, outkick.com. You can catch up on the show on demand on YouTube. But for all of our live unfiltered content, head over to the watch tab at outkick.com so you don't miss a beat. Outkick.com slash watch. In 2024, outkick.com slash watch is your one-stop shop for all OutKick content. People continue to ask in the YouTube chat about a way to interact with the show. Uh, I've been told that we will have a way to do that. We'll let you know when we know how we're going to go about doing that, whether it be a chat function on the site, um, a, a text line, something. We'll let you know as soon as we know, but we are definitely working on that. So it's the number one question I get in I the chat every day. I'm going to have to hop in the chat next week. So I want to I want to pass along. I want to do that. Jay Wayne Stand in the chat in for- right now, not happy with you about something. I, I don't know what. I don't, I don't know what I did. Yeah. My bad. At least he's responding to something that you've said. Yeah. Instead of the people that I complained about earlier that just respond to a caption okay. on a video, right? That didn't even click the video to see what was being said by the yeah. host. And then they, they, they bitch to us about the caption that's on there. Yeah. Our faces um, are also on there. One of my, one of my primary complaints. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I get that. But just hit the video. Yeah. That's my... Or it, here's the other or just thing. Have, have the caption. Here's the other thing. You are saying. you are allowed to do this also. Not complain if you didn't watch it. Yeah. Right. That that I'm going to leave that option out there for you as well. Don't spend the time. Davey what? brought up short attention span earlier. Don't spend the time typing out a, a complaint, crushing something that you didn't watch or didn't see or didn't hear. You could also just bypass that and not respond. What, what did it say? I don't know which one receive this response i don't even know it was something that uh it, i just got a bunch of them at once i forget what even the video was it was one question and it was maybe it was about the lane how is lane kiffin getting all the players oh, at really? old miss which had a ton of views yeah but i kept getting a lot responses of people watched that, that clip. i they they did but a lot of the people that responded didn't that was my issue a lot of the responses i got were people just responding to the question not acknowledging that we said exactly what they said oh. in their response to us. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, oh, well, it's very clear what they're doing. It's NIL. And I'm thinking, click on that 45-second to a minute-and-a-half video, the doing it in and you'll see that we're talking about that in, in the video also. They would really clear things up for you. We're going to have the, the coaching decisions cleared up very soon uh, as we head into the, the final three games of the regular season. There, there could be potentially uh, a double-digit number of coaching openings. Could be far less than that, too, based on the conclusion of December and first week of January for some of these coaches. Uh, Armando Salguero at Outkick put together a, a nice rundown uh, today of, of NFL coaches that are in line for potentially being fired on Black Monday and what he's hearing from across the league. And it starts with, like for instance, Ron Rivera, where they've done everything, not everything, they've changed 
over several coaches and made changes within their staff over the course of the season uh, and going back to last year. What they haven't done is changed head coach. That change, though, is coming. It's happening. New owner who said, like, hey, Rivera's done great things given the fact that I mean, Josh Harris was like, hey, given the fact of what he was in place doing where the, the Daniel Snyder wasn't even in the building, wasn't allowed to be in the building, and you had far, far too much turmoil within the organization. The fact that he's capable of just having an average team, I commend him on that. But now it's about winning. He's done great things. He said great things. Our chat was good. Now it's about winning. Well, it's about wins and losses, and potentially Josh Harris is going to spend some money to bring in someone to push them down the right direction. Uh, on the flip side, the uncertainty around what's going to happen in New England. Bill Belichick. What Armando says is he does know change is coming in Foxborough. It's just what type of change? Is this a, a spot where Robert Kraft goes to Bill Belichick and says, hey, you're, you have the freedom to look around, try to find a, a, a place you want to be, an ownership group or single owner that wants to trade, we'll talk. But you're remaining the head coach. You're under contract. Or is it, hey, I want you here, but I'm going to bring in a general manager. Or you're done. Peace out. We don't know how that's going to end. And then there's all the, the back and forth with Arthur Smith. What could potentially happen with Eberflus? Uh, uh, those two in particular, it matters how they finish the season in Chicago and in Atlanta. And if there's going to be a surprise here or there, the name that's being talked about is Mike Tomlin. A month and a half ago, it was Vrabel. You know, there's always that one big surprise. And we could also throw in, does Pete Carroll come back for another year? Is he going to retire? There are always those that get thrown into the mix that you're not discussing over the last two months as the draft talk began for a lot of bad teams. At some point, we need to put together a power ranking of best jobs of, of the available jobs, yeah, rank okay. them out. Because yeah, absolutely. We talked to John McClain about this yesterday, and the, the initial knee-jerk response is, oh, the Chargers are the best available opening because of Justin Herbert and the fact that he's locked up there as quarterback. I, I mean, yeah, if quarterback is all that matters to you in selecting a job or which one is the best, then I guess, yeah, Herbert is the one that's the best position with the contract, with his play, everything else, but... With their I, talent, too. I don't know that I would want to sign up to be the number two team in L.A. Um, and, and have that fan base, right? What matters to different people, I, I don't know. I, it's probably going to be the Chargers would be my number one pick in terms of the power ranking, but I do think it's an interesting discussion to have. Yeah, let's do that. That's a little bit more layered about should you care about fan base if you're in the NFL? Should you care about having some sort of home field advantage? Does that not matter? Do fans not matter? Um, does ownership matter? How much does it matter as opposed to quarterback? If you've got the quarterback in place, I think that's an interesting discussion to have once we get down to commander's opening. We know Raiders. We know Chargers right now. The other ones that are going to be available, maybe Falcons, maybe Patriots. I mean, go down the list of coaching openings. The Bears. It's, right. I mean, Bears are up there in terms of fan base and, and interest, right? But well, ownership looking for a new stadium. Uh, do you like Justin Fields? I think there's a lot of layers to this other than, oh, it's the Chargers because they got Justin Herbert. Who's making the hire, right? Is it, it the owner that you're being brought in or you're going to be the GM and the head coach? How much power do you have? And also, you know if you're being brought in to be the new head coach, you've got about two years, maybe three. Yeah. 
So the quarterback is imperative. That's that is the regardless of fan base and all that. Justin Herbert's there. Plus, you, I mean, look around their defense too. They right. brought in a lot. And Spanos is apparently going to spend money. He says that. He says there's no cap this time. But also, Dean Spanos isn't one of the top names that pops up when you talk about good ownership in the NFL of one of the right. good owners. Robert right. Kraft is. But Robert Kraft doesn't have a quarterback right now in New England. So, again, I think it's I think it can be a little bit more complex than just let's just rank the quarterbacks and that's the best job. Maybe it is for the Chargers to be number one. But we'll get into a, a broader discussion yeah. about this as we get closer to Black Monday. Until then, we've got uh, plenty of other headlines to hit. Plus, let's get weird with Davey Hudson. And five, four, three, two, one, zero. Talking now. Ah, what's up, guys? It's that time of the week where I mail it in and we see what happens. So, to get us started, you guys familiar with Southwest Airlines? I, I am familiar with the yes. company, yes. Okay. I fly them frequently. Yes. Uh, back, I can't remember which month during the summer it was, but we discussed a TikTok video that was going viral for airline companies to accommodate plus-size individuals at a, a a rate that was, is it, again, where I, I just kind of, I'm trying to be nice here. They're fat and they need two seats, so let's just, yes. uh, yeah, okay. we don't have to beat around the bush there. They're All right, huge, fine. Yeah. Okay, all right. We're not, fat we're people. Not, yep, okay. So, Southwest has now implemented a plus-size policy to where you can purchase one ticket but if you're so big and you encroach into the other ticket or the other seat, you would get that seat for free. Now, a lot of people that are in the plus size community are uh, thanking Southwest for implementing this. Other people, not so happy. And the reason they're not so happy is because while Southwest does encourage you to let the company know beforehand if you are likely going to need an extra seat, they can go ahead and let you buy two and then refund you one of those seats later. But the problem is if you don't tell them that, and they've got it set up to where the bigger people, um, they can go ahead and sit down ahead of time. What happens is you overbook a flight because you have one person now taking up two seats to where people who actually purchased a ticket are not going to be able to ride on that, uh, on that flight. If you are so fat that you require purchasing two tickets from Southwest Airlines and, and you can't afford the two tickets... Mm -hmm then you should get a vehicle big enough that can drive you or you can ride in and you should ride in that to your destination. Uh, I say this as someone who sometimes will drive 12, 13 hours to Nebraska to see my in-laws. It's a long haul, but at times driving just makes more sense because you got Christmas gifts in the car or you're packing babies with you and all their stuff or whatever. So I've made that drive many a times. Now, we're going to fly this time, but no one in my family is so fat that we would require two tickets. If I had to rethink my budget because I'm so fat that I have to buy two tickets, then I would probably end up driving. You should not get a free second seat because you're too fat to sit in one. I, I am well, staunchly opposed but, to this idea. Well, I don't, I don't care if they're, if they're giving the free seat back as long as they're not overbooking the flight. That's the point here is that you buy two, you refund one. It counts as two, so you're not overbooking the flight for anyone else that wants said seat. You're boarding uh, C-57 or whatever it is. Uh, the issue I would have is if they're actually showing up without booking two seats and they need two seats. And so, because they board first, they get two seats instead of the one that you sold. That's the issue. It's not that they're refunding. Do your business however you want to do your business. If the flight's full, I won't be able to get on it. But I need to know before I show up to the gate 
that the flight's full. If you want to lose money and not have that seat, more power to you. Uh, that's why you're paying for gate 60 or C28 at the terminal instead of C1 uh, at the airport. You're renting the one far, uh, farthest, uh, furthest down the, the the lane there, Chad, because they, well, have the option the to like look. Have the option where you pay for. You two- know what you could also do? You can sign up for a credit card, get a hundred thousand points, and get a free free flight that way. Well, you could also just say you're going to pay for two two seats. And I, I know people. I have fr- friends who are bigger people that have had to purchase uh, two seats mm-hmm. for flights. And it, it's a bitch. I, I'm not saying that it's not. It's it's expensive to fly, period. But if you're buying two tickets for yourself everywhere, it's a lot of money. So I'm, I'm somewhat sympathetic to that. If there's a way to meet in the middle and say, you're going to pay for two seats, but if it's not a full flight, in the end, then we will refund you for that one seat. I'd be I'd be okay with that, but they've already built they've already paid for two seats, so it's counting as the flight. You could be on standby, but you're not guaranteed. Yeah. At least I know that I'm on standby. Uh, if you if you believe you have a seat and you're the last aboard, and now the flight's full, that's where the issue comes into play. It's not the fact that they're refunding one one seat. I mean, if I if I know weather's coming, and I'm trying to I, Southwest is going to rebook me on a flight I don't necessarily want if my flight's canceled, so I can go ahead and purchase two seats or one seat, whatever, on a future flight and cancel last minute. Yeah. And according to what you may look up, the flight's full. That also happens on airline to airline. Whatever their promotion is, just don't screw out those that are already booked on the flight because someone showed up and, you know, it's laid out in two or three seats and the open seating policy that they have. Yeah, I'm really interested to see if this policy catches on with more airlines. One, it's it's sad that we've we've gotten to this point just as a country to where this is even a thing. And it's like, I don't want to make fun of people that do have difficulty dealing with their weight, but this should be a wake-up call, if anything, if, if you're in this position. And it's one of those things where now it's a, you're hurting other people. Because, like, for one instance, one lady uh, was traveling back with her, her daughter and one of her daughter's friends, they ended up getting stuck in Baltimore for a night, and their luggage went ahead and went back to their destination in Denver. So you're really creating more issues than really need to start, that, that we'd even need to deal with, and yet we're coming up on the holiday. So I could imagine uh, we might hear a story or two about this coming up Sounds next like week or so. And if nightmare. you're too fat to fly, either drive or lose weight. That's also an option. I'll just go ahead and say it very plainly. Yeah, guys, and uh, real quickly on this next story, uh, so have you ever heard of the crocodile Lolong? What? The, low long. It, it's technically the largest crocodile that's uh, so ever been captured. So this is species. I didn't know if you're like no, naming that's the, a crocodile. That's what they named it. This thing was 20 feet, three inches. Uh, this was wow. caught in the Philippines. Now this crocodile died back in 2013, but they think they might have found another crocodile that would match its size. We don't have exact pictures, but going back to last week, saying what's the one animal you'd least like to be killed by? <laughs> it's that for me. Oh, that is nightmare fuel. I think it's enormous. Megalodon. Much like some people trying to fly on Southwest. (laughs) These three seats.